Something I've, I've been meaning to mention, I keep forgetting, is, um, I, I, and he didn't know I'm going to do this, I'm, he'll be embarrassed, but um, I just wanted to say uh, welcome home, Terrell. And, uh, and so, um, Terrell, Terrell uh, you know, when I first got here, he was in the youth group, and um, in fact, he gave me my first major heart attack uh, in ministry here by bringing a... A dog that bit a kid in the face to youth group, <laughs> like the very first week. And uh, anyway, so <laughs> that was fun. But um, but anyway, no, Terrell's been uh, uh, has served in in the army and uh, go army, and and has um, and has exited out now. And so Terrell, I just want to say thank you for your service. I'm proud of you. Man. So thank you. Yeah. So. All right, all right. Back to focusing on me. Here we go. Um, yeah, on me. Okay, turn to Ephesians. We're going to finish up. We're going to finish up our uh, church under construction uh, theme or series. And um, you know, while we're getting this place, uh, you know, finished up, we thought we'd take some time to focus on you know uh, not losing sight of what it what it takes, the work it takes for us to maintain a healthy church. And Living Hope Church is a healthy church, I believe. Uh, not a perfect church, but a healthy church. And, uh, and so, but that's all very intentional. There's, there's some things that go into building up a healthy church that, that are very intentional. And so we're going to, we, we've been talking about those things. We're going to finish it out with a couple more things this week. And, uh, it's, it's kind of some behind the scenes stuff, a type of stuff that maybe you don't think about, but it is critical to a healthy church. Absolutely critical. And, um, and so we're going to talk about a little, little bit this morning about how our church is, uh, structured. And and uh, and then the leadership and things like that and how how important that is. I was talking to Rob uh, before service today and he was telling me he had just saw the new uh, Steve Jobs movie, and uh, we were talking about uh, Mr. Jobs a little bit. And and you now here's the deal about Steve Jobs. I remember when he passed, it was like worldwide news. And I mean, you know, and and despite what you think about Steve Jobs or Apple products or whatever. Um, Pretty much everybody is of the same consensus that in terms of a visionary leader, um, I mean, his his potential was just through the roof. I mean, just in terms, he was a visionary um, and, and had the ability to, to think up a product like an iPod or an iPhone or an iPad or, what, you know, whatever. Had the ability to think up a product that really did not exist before. And tell the world you need this thing, even though you don't think you you just don't realize you need it yet, right? But you need it, and and make you know really great products and that sort of thing. So now everybody knows. I mean, he, like he didn't invent the iPhone, right? I mean, it's not like uh, the old days. I mean, he, he didn't come up with that stuff up in his garage, right? Uh, he has people working for him that are very creative, very talented, you know, technical minded people that were able to come up with all of that and. He was just kind of the visionary behind it. He would literally take somebody's best offering to him. I've made this thing. And he j- basically just kept saying, it's not good enough. <laughs> until, until it got better and better and better. Until it was something that he, he, was, he felt like the company would be proud to release. But just as just visionary. Now, since his death, what we've found out about him as a leader is that... Um, that he uh, was known as a, a very difficult man to work for, very uh, kind of a brutal leader. I mean, just, um, <clears throat> you know, really 
not not just driven, but uh, selfishly driven. You know, he he had his agenda, his plans, and and didn't really care how that impacted the people around him. Uh, he was just he would drive through people, right? And so, visionary leader, but his in what we consider traditional leadership skills, maybe a little lacking, you know, in that area in terms of you know, not, not necessarily a people person, not, not a really nice person a lot of the time. Um, and so here, here's the thing about um, church. I, I, like how many of you have, well, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of us in this room that could raise our hand and say, uh, you have worked for a kind of egomaniacal leader, somebody that was very difficult to work for, uh, driven in an unhealthy sense, you know, that sort of thing, and just just a horrible, uh, maybe even abusive uh, work environment that you had to work under a leader like that. A lot of us might have stories that you could tell to that effect. And I think a lot of times the world and even people within the church have this fear because of that idea of leadership or of organization um, corporate organization. A lot of people have this fear about the church and of organized religion that as soon as something organizes and gets leaders and things like that, a lot of times the assumption is it immediately becomes corrupt. There must be backdoor meetings going on, um, and, uh, power hungry, you know, leadership struggles and things like that. And, and so a lot of people approach church with this idea of, it can't be a healthy situation. That in order in order for spirituality to be healthy, it's got to feel very grassroots. You know, it's got to feel um, you know very uh, uh, small and maybe unorganized or or, or whatever. But it's got to. But once it gets to kind of what we consider traditional church, um, then most likely it has lost its soul, right? And, and what I want to tell you about that or kind of help dismiss today is that while all of us could probably point to a church or maybe have experienced church that, that could be in some ways categorized like that, uh, unhealthy, soulless, um, you know, the power struggles, the whatever, um, just because that exists we shouldn't necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, for instance, for years, there was a stigma around uh, food trucks. Remember that? Like, like, don't eat from a food truck. Like, you'd probably get tainted meat and, you know, whatever else, and it's just horrible. Ew, what would you eat from a food truck, right? And, and you could adopt that idea of, no, 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 I don't eat from food trucks. There's no telling what you'll get, right? You could, you could live by that decision. However, if you make that choice... We know now, most of us know now, you're going to miss out on a lot of really, really great food. I mean, there's some great food. In, it's like when you find a good food truck, you are praising Jesus. You're like, I'm so glad I found this truck. I'm so, somebody glad, so glad somebody told me where this truck was parked. You know, that sort of thing because it's just amazing, amazing food that can come out of a lot of, you know, really food trucks that are done in a, a, a well-done way. And so I think the same thing can be said about church, just because there are some bad apples out there, I believe the vast, vast majority of churches are God-honoring bodies of believers who really want to just follow Jesus Christ. I really believe that. And 
Now, what I'm going to talk to today or speak today is, is, is how our church fits in with, with all of that and why, you know, this idea of church, like, like why can't, you know, why not just do Christianity just by yourself at your house and, you know, why do, why do you need church? Why is church that important? Why is it such a big deal? We're going to talk a little bit about that, talk about leadership and stuff like that. We're, so look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter, I think I shut my Bible. Oh, there there is. Ephesians chapter 2. All right, we're going to start with verse 19. Is that right? Yeah, 19. Okay. I'm going to attempt to read it. I got new glasses, and um, they're not great for reading. Okay. Um, So let me just set up what's happening. Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. And as a part of the focus of this letter, he's, he's emphasizing the fact that, you know, once there was, you know, God worked through the Jewish nation, the, the nation of Israel, and, and uh, it almost it appeared to a lot of people anyway, to the exclusion of the rest of the world, even though that wasn't really the, the case. Israel's calling actually all along was to be the light to the world, to tell the rest of the world about the one and true only God. Um, and they neglected that calling. But, so, but by appearances, there, there was this great division between Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles being everybody else in the world, right? And now he's teaching this church who has a, a very, it's a mixed congregation. Some of them are, uh, you know, uh, Jewish in descent, and many of them are Greek, uh, you know, uh, in descent. And so he's, he's teaching them that under the banner of Christ, we're all one now. We're all, there's no distinction anymore. There's no distinction. And this is part of the way that he teaches that principle. Verse 19 of chapter 2. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built, what? Say it. Together. In him you're also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. By, by, yeah, by the Spirit. All right. So, he, a lot of times when we think, now we've heard before, if you've been in church very long, you've heard that, um, you know, especially if you've been here very long, that we are the church. These walls are not the church. We're the church. That God, that we are, that we don't need to go to a temple anymore, that we are the temple of God. Um, that the house of God, he, God makes him his home in his people. And a lot of times when we hear that taught, it's taught in a very individualistic type of way because you have phrases like, in him, you also are being built in a dwell, to be a dwelling place for God, right? And the emphasis is on the you. And we lose sight of the fact that um, most of the, the time that this concept is talked about, it's not being directed at an individual. It's being directed at a body of believers. It's being directed at a group of people who have faith in common, faith in Jesus Christ in common. And Paul makes this point that, that we are, uh, that we're being grown into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you're also being built together. And, and the, the point of this is that, yes, me, God makes his home in me as much as he makes his home in you. But the fullest expression 
of the household of faith. The fullest expression of God setting up residence in people who follow him is found when a group of Christians come together. Together. That God's holy temple is built in the lives, plural, of his followers when they come together. And like I've said over and over and over before, that Christianity is ne- was never meant to be a solo sport. It's not meant to be done alone. You want to get close to God? You want to be where God is? Then get around other people who love him. Because when we come together, the fullest expression of the household of faith, that's where it's seen. In us worshiping, doing life together. When you isolate, you start feeling lonely. You start feeling separated from that household of faith. And that there is something about when we come. Now, now here's the thing about when we come together. Once people start coming together and meeting together, um, it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that some level of organization is needed. Some level of organization is needed. And, and if you fall into that camp where you're like, oh, we don't have to organize everything, just keep it free and loose and, you know, that sort of thing, um, that goes so far, but then it comes to a pretty quick end. The fact that you're sitting in this room today worshiping God with other people, it did not happen by accident. It happened because some people, several people, a lot of people put some thought and some, some organization into providing the environment for this to happen. The fact that your kids are able to be taught the word of God and, and taught on their level in a way that, um, that they will grasp and remember, um, that doesn't happen by accident. Some level of thought and organization went into that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk today, especially in the political environment, you know, where, uh, you know, a lot of bashing of big government and that sort of thing, and rightly so a lot of times. But can we just admit that there are a lot of aspects of government that are just flat out great. Great. There's a lot about government that is great. I'm so glad that when I take, (coughs) excuse me, a road trip to Oklahoma to go visit my family, I'm not driving on dirt roads or through fields. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm so glad that there are um, law enforcement officers in place to help protect my family and my, my belongings and whatever else. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so glad that we have a, a military in place so that if, if another group or another nation tries to uh, infringe upon our freedom, we can have that freedom protected. I'm so thankful. There are lots of aspects of government as, as, as unwieldy and as unhealthy as it has become, there are still many aspects of government that are great. And I, th- I think you could say the same thing about church. Yeah, can you point to a lot of unhealthy examples? Yes. But are there also really healthy, very needed aspects of that that are great? Absolutely. Absolutely. And put up that next point. Is this. You can write this down. A healthy church is structured to grow. A healthy church is structured for growth. And I'm not just talking about growth in terms of let's, let's get a bunch more people in here. I'm talking about your own personal spiritual growth. That we structure things in such a way to help you grow closer to Christ and for us to grow as a body of believers as well. But that structure is important and it's critical. Now, it's not perfect. 
and we're learning and we're trying things and we're, we learn what works and what doesn't work and we throw out what doesn't work, you know, that sort of thing. And I mean, that's just, it's, it's all a work in progress, but the, but the structure is not the evil thing. The structure is not the evil thing. It's when we, uh, people have a tendency to build little boxes and try to cram God into little boxes. And God cannot be contained. He cannot be contained. And so we take our structures that we come up with, that we come up with for your benefit, for the benefit of the body of believers as a whole. We take those structures and we hold them with an open hand. And if God is moving through our structures, we praise him and give him the glory for it. And if our structures are somehow limiting to the movement of God, then we throw them away and we come up with something else new. Because ultimately we're not worshiping the structure. Ultimately, the most important thing is not the structure. The most important thing is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, I want to shoot over to uh, chapter 4. I keep tripping over this rug. Um, Chapter 4. Paul continues this discussion discussion about church life, and he gets into this idea of of leadership that I I find it really interesting the way he puts it. So we read this verse a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to reread it again. And um, it says this. Uh, Chapter 4, verse uh, 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, um, that list is not an exhaustive list. He's just listing off a handful of of leadership positions within the church. He's saying all these leadership, all these apostles and teachers and preachers and, you know, shepherds, that sort of, all these leaders are a gift from God to the church for the building up of the body of Christ. It's a gift. Leaders are a gift from God. Now, fast forward down to uh, 15, verse 15. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from the whole body, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is, say it with me, Equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, I, I, I was fixated on that word joint, all right? Where he says, uh, we're to grow up in every way into him who is, is head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. So, who, whose responsibility is it to equip the church? Who? We just read it. Who? Leaders. God has given leaders to equip the church. And there he, he refers to the joint as the thing that equips. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. This church. So this is the way God describes leaders in a church. We've heard the, the Bible give the analogy or, or the uh, about how we are the body of Christ and all of us are a different member of that body. Some of us will be an eye, some of us will be an ear, some of us will be an arm or a leg or whatever, but we all together, we form a complete body. That's the analogy that scripture gives us, right? And the way God describes the leaders in within that body is not so much leaders being the head. Why? Because who is the head? Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. The way Paul describes Uh, leaders within that body is that we are the joints. We're the elbows. We're the knees. 
We're the neck. We're, we're, we're the th- and what do joints do? You might be an arm, and it's a leader who gives that arm mobility. And the job of leaders within a church is to mobilize the members of that church, to equip them and get them ready for service that God has called them to. And when we become that kind of person, go ahead and put that next point up. When we become that kind of people, a healthy church is mobilized by servant leaders. A healthy church is mobilized by servant leaders. A group of people, a group of Christ followers coming together and committing themselves to follow Jesus in whatever way he would lead, depending on leaders to be equipped and to be immobilized to go and do the work that Christ has called that church to do. That's the image that Paul gives of a healthy church. And leaders are critical. I'm, 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 I'm big on like leadership. I study leadership. I read a lot about leadership. I love going to leadership conferences. I love equipping leaders. I love, you know, we're, we're going, our, the leaders of the church right now are going through a great book right now, learning how we can become, be, be better leaders. And I just, I love that whole process of leadership, the training and the recruiting and the, the sending out. It's just, I love leadership. I love it a lot. And leaders are a gift from God to the church. Now, depending on your relationship with other leaders in your life, that might be an easy thing for you to embrace and it might be a difficult thing for you to embrace. The idea of leaders being a gift. So I just want to take a little time and kind of flesh out what that looks like here at Living Hope. What we ask from you as members of this church is not that you follow us blindly. We're not, we're not starting a cult here, right? We're not asking for just blind followership. But what we're asking is, as the Bible puts it, that you would, I'm going to kill myself. I got to get off this room. Okay. That you would um, submit to your leaders, submit to and obey your leaders. What that looks like in the life of a church is not us lording over your life. And because uh, I've seen some really unhealthy, and maybe you've seen too, some really unhealthy churches who abuse that leadership and begin to direct their members to do bizarre things and make bizarre choices. That's not what we're talking about here at all. What we're talking about is that you build a relationship with the leaders in this church to the point that you begin to know and trust them and know that they <coughs> that know that they love you and care for you and only want to see you grow in Jesus Christ. And anything that we ever ask of you is motivated purely from that point of view. We want to see you take steps closer to your Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not about an abuse of power. It's not about some personal agenda that we might have. Um, You know, even even things like when we stand up before you and talk to you and encourage you to to become a a faithful tither, a faithful giver. That's not motivated by us wanting to build up a big bank account. I could give, honestly, a rat's tail about the size of our bank account. That's not what I'm concerned with. When I challenge you to become more faithful in your giving, I'm challenging you to to do something that the word of God calls you to do, become a more generous person. It's not about some sort of selfish motivation. It's about you making steps of obedience closer to Jesus Christ so you position yourself to experience the blessings of Christ even more in your life. 
when we challenge you to begin to maybe parent your families in a way that is honoring to God. It's not that we want to get into your house and have some sort of unhealthy control over your home. We just want to point you to the principles that are found in God's word because we believe that's where you'll find the best fulfilling uh, uh, um, opportunity for a healthy home life. When we challenge you to work your job in such a way that you work it with honesty, honesty and integrity, It's not, again, because we're trying to keep you from getting that promotion that you're trying to get or whatever. No, it's because we believe that God is the God of our promotions because that's what the Bible tells us. We believe that when people are faithful to him, God will be the God of their promotions. When we tell you to do things, uh, and and, and it's, it's not about us saying, do this, do this, do this, and just obey us blindly. It's about we all have situations that come up in our life and every single one of us need, need someone who will come alongside of us and say, you know what, this is what the Bible, this is what the Bible says about that situation. You should try God's way because I bet it ends up being the best way. We need that. I need that in my life. I need people who will look at my life and if they see me making a choice that is not necessarily the most honoring choice to God, that will come up to me and say, you know, God's word says this, you should try that. You should try that. I appreciate that conversation all day long. All day long. It's a leadership in Living Hope Church is about people who desperately want to come alongside of you and help take you from this point in your spiritual walk to this point in your spiritual walk. We want to see you grow. We want to see the body of Christ grow and mature and become more and more Beautiful, more and more beautiful. Because when that happens, then we are better positioned to do the work that God has called us to do. Amen? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Now, let let, let me make as clear as I can to you uh, what your relationship should look like to with the leaders of our church. When I'm talking to leaders, I'm talking about pastors, staff members, elders, volunteer leaders, lay leaders that are over different ministries and things like that. It might look like all kinds of different things, okay? But leaders in our church, this is what your relationship should be to them. First of all, the Bible says uh, you need to submit to your leaders. Submit to them. And again, I'm not talking to some sort of unhealthy submission. I'm talking about you put you you submit to them as you would to Jesus and you take their spiritual direction and you make sure that that spiritual direction matches up with what the word of God says. If a spiritual leader in this church asks you to do something and they can't back it up with the word of God, then you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. But if they're trying to point your life into a direction that is more healthy for you, then your position as, as mandated by God's word is submit to your leaders. Again, some of you will have a hard time with that. Some of you won't. You work that out between you and God. But if you want to see greater success, greater blessings in your life, get yourself in a position where you can submit to your leaders. And let me just say this. If you have a problem submitting to the leaders of this church because you don't trust us or you feel like uh, we are not good leaders, then I totally invite you to go to a different church and find a church where you can trust that leadership and submit to them. Find yourself a place where you can be in submission to leaders. It's important. It's important. The other thing that I expect of you all as a congregation is this. You need to pray for your leaders every single day. Pray for the leaders of this church every single day. And this is why. 
Because none of us, not the pastors, not the elders, not the staff members or volunteer leaders, none of us are super Christian. None of us. We're just normal people trying to do this thing the best we can, just like you. Normal people, flawed people. We're going to make mistakes, um, lots of them, and we need your prayers. I mean, when you look at your own life and you think about all the ways that you are tempted and discouraged and things like that, I promise you, when it comes to the leaders in this church, we experience at least that much temptation. We do, and we need your prayers. We need your prayers for our families, that we, as we lead our church, we can also lead our families well. We need your, we need your prayer just for our, uh, uh, just our, our sanity. <laughs> we just need lots of prayer. And on the, on the flip side of that coin, I would say, we also need your encouragement. Encourage the leaders of this church. Um, I, I would guess that every leader in this church could tell you they've been discouraged to the point of quitting. Every single one of them. And probably every single one of them could tell you the thing that kept them from quitting was an unexpected word of encouragement that they got from somebody. Uh, our, we tend to be um, somewhat fragile, somewhat overly critical of ourselves, and we want to do a good job. And when we feel like, because we're living hope and we're an authentic body of believers, that sort of thing, when we feel like we're not doing a good job, um, we don't want to come across looking like hypocrites, and so we get down on ourselves and all that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, a word of encouragement out of left field, just totally unexpected, can be the difference maker in us giving up or carrying on and being faithful. Encourage your leaders. They need it. They really do. Um, Submit to your leaders. Pray for your leaders. Encourage your leaders. Um, I would say this. Believe the best about your leaders. Believe the best about them. This is going to happen to you. If you're in this church for very long, this will happen. It's not if, it's, 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 it's when. It will happen. At some point, <coughs> at some point, uh, a leader in this church is going to make a decision or say something to you that will offend you because we're human. We're going to make a decision that didn't consider your needs or we're going to say something that didn't consider your feelings and you're going to be offended. And I want you to make the choice because it's a very conscious choice to believe the best about your leaders. To believe that even though that hurt, even though it stung that decision or that, that word or whatever it was, I believe that they didn't that they were not trying to hurt me. I really do believe that. They were not trying to hurt me. And so, you know, I'm just gonna have a conversation with them and let them know that uh, you probably didn't think about this, but this is how it impacted me or whatever. And again, I'll have that conversation all day long. But what I can't abide as a leader is when I unknowingly offend someone. And they just walk away from this fellowship. And I never know why they left. That is, that's, that's just a horrible way to live your life. We're a family. And we don't just leave. We don't just leave. Like, you, there's got to be a good reason for it, right? And so if, you, if and when you get offended, 
have a conversation. If, it, if you can't let it roll off, if you can't get over it, just have a conversation with that person in love. You're going to say and do things that offend us, and we're going to say and do things that offend you. It's just the nature of being a people. It's just the nature of being a person. It happens in relationships. So make a choice. I'm going to believe the best, and I'm, not just of your leaders, but everybody in this room. I'm going to make a choice to believe the best about that person. I'm going to believe that they didn't mean to hurt me. Yeah, it hurt, but I know it wasn't intentional. We can work through this. Amen? So submit to your leaders. Pray for your leaders. Encourage your leaders. Believe the best about your leaders. If you can do all those things, I honestly believe that you will get to experience the fullness of the gift that leaders are to you in your life. We want to build up this church. We want to help build up this church and mobilize this church in such a way. Put that scripture back up there, the last scripture. This is the best part of that scripture. Um, When each part is working properly because of the equipping that has been done by the leaders, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love that last phrase. That when the leaders are doing the, the job they're supposed to do of equipping and mobilizing the congregation, it positions the congregation to build itself up. To build itself up. You don't have to wait on us to be built up. It's you who do the building. You who do the building. When I was a youth minister, I used to say all the time, I can't grow this youth group because I'm an adult and I don't know any teens. Right? Like if the, if the youth group is going to grow, you've got to invite your friends. That's the way this works. And I would say it's the same, same sort of principle with overall church life. It's all of our responsibility to build this place up into what Christ wants it to be. It's not just the responsibility of the leaders. If we become a church that just sits around waiting for the leaders to decide and to do everything, um, there is a very low ceiling on our church, a very low ceiling. This is why, because I'm not the best figurehead for this church. I'm just not. Like if I'm the, if, if, if this community looks at this church and all they see is Jeff Myers, our ceiling is really low, really low. Because I'm under no illusion that everybody's going to like me. What's more likely to happen is they like you a lot and they tolerate me. That's more likely. And we can grow, it's true. And we can grow this church by a toleration of its pastor. (laughs) Okay? If you all will reach out and let them see the beauty that you are as a congregation. And then they'll come in and we'll do our best. This is my commitment. You know, I told you what. We expect from you as, as people, you know, as a congregation towards its leaders. Let me tell you what you can expect from us. We're going to do our very best job that we possibly can to honor Christ in a way where we build a framework here in which you can grow and Christ can be glorified. That's what you can expect from us. And we'll work hard at it. But we all, it takes all of us doing this together. We're a body. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And uh, I thank you so much for uh, the wisdom uh, from your word that we've been able to share in this series. And God, we, we desperately want to maintain a healthy church life here. And uh, like I said earlier, you know we're not perfect. 
<coughs> we're far from it. <clears throat> but God, I thank you uh, that you have given us a uh, an organization here in which we can uh, band together as different organs of that organization and um, and honor you and glorify you collectively. And so God, help us beyond all else. This is all I'm going to pray for right now. God, beyond everything else, help us keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us keep our eyes fixed on you. And everything else is just icing. And so um, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.